Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Essentials. I'm your host, Maddie Flint, and I hope that everybody has had a great Thanksgiving 2022. And to anyone who is going through some difficult times uh, during these holiday seasons, maybe you lost a friend or a family member, just a loved one, or you're going through some difficult circumstances in some way or another, I wish you blessings and peace for you and your family. And I know that words sometimes can't explain anything or help that much, but just know that you are loved. So in this episode, I will take you guys on a quick trip inside the human body. And specifically, I want to look at nutrition, particularly what our Thanksgiving meals gave our bodies to work with. Uh, And it has been like three weeks since I last recorded anything. Leading up to finals week, I've just had so much homework and just as a STEM major, it's hard to have a proportional schoolwork life balance. And today was my last day of statistics. Monday is my last day of biochemistry. Lab is over. That was over this past week and I'm missing a class. Uh, something else ends. English. My American experiences class, which is not so American, also ends on Monday. So after that, and I do have some finals until like December 12th, I should have more time to like relax a little bit more, which I'm so excited for. I'm sure college students all over the country are feeling the same way as I am right now. And I do have two additional podcast episodes already typed up because I had these really interesting ideas in the middle of lecture or in the middle of studying for something else that was unrelated and I just happened to jot down some notes but I have been doing some research behind them so that I have enough content for two other episodes which should be coming. I might even have two next week, who knows. It depends on where I'm at with the finals. So back to this episode, as background, I'm going to just go over some of the basics of human digestion and the essential nutrients and amino acids. So the essential nutrients and amino acids are things that our bodies need but can't synthesize or make on their own, meaning they must be eaten. So we have to get them from our food. Our body can't produce them. And before I talk about the list of them, I just want to highlight that chemical and physical or mechanical digestion does in fact happen in the mouth because we have salivary amylase and other enzymes, uh, lingual lipase, which is like underneath your tongue, just that are in our saliva that help to chemically break down the foods that we eat. And then of course the chewing helps it get into a physical form that's easier to swallow and something that we don't choke on. So as for our essential amino acids, we have isoleucine, we have leucine, we have lysine, we have methionine, phenylalanine, tryptophan, valine, histidine, threonine, and arginine. So those are the essential amino acids that we can't produce. Our body can't synthesize these amino acids like it can with some of the other ones. And we have to obtain these through the foods that we eat. The reasoning behind the INE, and there's also a pattern, I'm sure you guys noticed because it was very repetitive, in the names of amino acids. So the amino acid derived hormones and the regular amino acids, um, these things are relatively small molecules. They're, this is in the case of hormones. They're derived from amino acids, tyrosine and tryptophan. 
But if something is amino acid derived, its chemical name is going to have that I-N-E suffix. Like norepinephrine and epinephrine, um, aka adrenaline. You will typically see amino acids ending in I-N-E, except for tryptophan. But typically, all of these amino acids are going to end with I-N-E. Just thought I would let you guys know that because that's interesting and it helps to lay some framework for the fact that we're dealing with amino acids here. And I just want to mention what amino acids are, just so that we're all on the same page here. Amino acids, and this is from aminoacidsguide.com, are a crucial yet basic unit of protein and they contain an amino group and a carboxylic group. They play an extensive role in gene expression process, which includes the adjustment of protein functions that facilitate messenger RNA translation. And there are over 700 types of amino acids that have been discovered in nature. Um, They've been found everywhere, ranging from plants, to fungi, to algae, to bacteria. And they are the essential components of peptides and proteins. There are 20 of them in particular that are crucial for life as they contain the peptides and proteins and are known to be the building blocks for all living things on Earth. They're used for protein synthesis and they're controlled by genetics. So these are the ways that they are helpful in sustaining the health of a human body. They largely promote hormone production, muscle structure, nervous system, vital organs working correctly, and cellular functioning. And if these amino acids didn't exist in the body, Um, the protein synthesis would just stop and people would experience extreme fatigue, irritability, hormonal imbalances, sometimes depression. Um, That's if it doesn't work right. I don't know what actually would happen if you didn't have any. I'm guessing there would be some issues there. And their chemical makeup consists of hydrogen, nitrogen, carbon, oxygen, and then an R group, which is a variable group because it varies among different amino acids, and that's what determines the differences between these protein monomers. So now that we have that information, we'll just store that aside for a second. And within these chemical makeups of amino acids, and the amine groups, I should say, we see elements that sustain life, really. These are the main organic elements that are in the backbone of everything plant life, human life, animal life, and that's carbon, oxygen, and nitrogen, and then of course hydrogen, and there are other ones too, but those are the major ones. Now, I don't want to digress too much, but I was actually having a conversation with my dad earlier today, and it's 2.04 a.m. right now, so by earlier, I mean it was like 9.30 p.m. Um, We were talking about this, but he mentioned how it's really absurd that the left thinks that we are in imminent danger of world erosion or natural disaster and we're all going to be wiped out and life on earth is going to be destroyed and all this stuff is going to happen because of carbon. But carbon is within every single amino acid and 20 of which are in your DNA and your DNA is in every single one of your cells. We have about 30 trillion cells in our bodies. So if carbon was really that detrimental, that could just rip out like ozone layers and cause the world to be destroyed, the world would have been destroyed a long, long time ago. As a matter of fact, it would have been destroyed when it first began. Because according to what scientists believe the earliest atmosphere of the Earth was, carbon existed first before oxygen. 
And that's why they hypothesized that plants were so large, because there was excess carbon. But the world wasn't exploded, and it still exists. Just saying, carbon is a backbone of life. Anyway, moving on to the nutrition aspects of our Thanksgiving dinners, because that was my whole point of this episode, we are going to dive into what the most commonly eaten Thanksgiving meals are and what they provide our bodies with. So first off, do you blame too much turkey for making you feel tired? If so, it's because you're thinking about tryptophan. Why everybody gets sleepy after their annual feast does have something to do with the chemical breakdowns of the things we eat and what they are synthesized into by our bodies. So I'll just make note of 5-hydroxytryptophan and starting with turkeys. These are some of the nutritional values. We get 24 grams of protein, 2 grams of fat, no carbs, depending on uh, the meat that you eat because the dark meat is found in the active muscles like the legs or thighs and that tends to have more fat and calories than the white meat, whereas the white meat contains more protein. We're getting vitamin B6, we're getting vitamin B12, we're getting niacin, which is vitamin B3, magnesium, phosphorus, a little bit of natural sodium, potassium, a whole bunch of stuff. And not all fats are bad. Natural fats are going to help your body to feel fuller after meals. And so turkey is a super protein-rich food. Protein is important for muscle growth and maintenance. And just two thick slices, 84 grams of turkey, pack 24 grams of protein into your diet. Now turkey does contain tryptophan, just not a particularly high amount. So really, all meats contain tryptophan. It's an amino acid. It's a building block of muscle. Turkey has more tryptophan than chicken, but not as much as pork chops have. So the fact that you're feeling tired is probably just because you've eaten so many different things, all of which probably contain an amount of tryptophan. And the aspect of you being tired, it's not actually the tryptophan itself, it's what the tryptophan does. Tryptophan is the raw material needed for the body to make serotonin and melatonin. So it's going to pass through the blood-brain barrier in small amounts, and it's going to be used by the pineal gland. And there have been studies that show that if the intake of tryptophan is really reduced or limited, synthesis of melatonin is significantly reduced. So next up, we have regular mashed potatoes, family favorite, especially in my Irish family. Potatoes are a major part of the Irish diet. For those of you who have Irish family, this might resonate to you. And if you don't, you may know that um, stereotypical Irish image of people eating potatoes and then starving because of the potato famine. Uh, anyway, there are a lot of health benefits to potatoes. There are a lot of qualities in them that make them suitable for a modern human's diet. The Irish were onto something. Mashed potatoes are loaded with monosaturated fats, which are essential for maintaining cholesterol levels. And there are also polyunsaturated fats in mashed potatoes, which bar several motor neuron diseases and help in the maintenance of the skin. They're loaded with vitamin C, vitamin B, and potassium. You will get a lot of carbs from them because, you know, uh, potatoes are really just a giant storage tank of a plant, or the stalk, where they store all the carbs that they make. After mashed potatoes, we have yams or sweet potatoes. 
and yams are a little bit different than sweet potatoes, but the way that they're prepared, in my family we call them yams. So sweet potatoes are underground tubers. They're rich in antioxidants, which are very effective in raising blood levels of vitamin A, particularly in children. They're very nutritious. They're high in fiber, they're very filling, they're very delicious. They can be eaten, boiled, baked, steamed, fried. We actually make them as candied yams, so they're just prepared like normal baked sweet potatoes, but then there's like a sweet syrup that goes on them and also marshmallows. But not everybody does that. That's like a southern cuisine. Here's something that may be a little bit more common in everybody's household is cranberry sauce. Now, I'm talking about this as if it's being made fresh. I make fresh cranberry sauce just because I like it better. I like preparing it. I like being able to control the sweetness. And uh, we have some diabetic family members. And, you know, I, I like to be conscious about added sugars for them. Also, November was Diabetes Awareness Month. And uh, even though it's now December, I encourage everybody, if you have a diabetic loved one, to take some time to read about diabetes and what you can do to help your loved one, whether it's on a nutritional basis or if it's just um, recognizing symptoms of high or low blood sugar. So back to the cranberry sauce. It's a traditional staple on holiday tables. It's sweet. It's tangy. You can change the sweetness, like I was talking about, if you make it yourself. And it goes well with turkey and other savory meat dishes. And it also adds some super valuable nutrients to your meal. So on the protein side of it, it only has like 0.6 grams of protein in a quarter of a cup. But for vitamins and minerals, you get a really good amount of vitamin E, which is a great antioxidant. The health benefits associated with eating more cranberry sauce are actually that it's really good for your heart. It has some fiber, it has vitamin E, and it has antioxidants. Eating more fiber can promote healthy cholesterol levels, which reduces the risk of heart disease. Researchers reviewed studies including 4,635 participants, so there's your simple random sample, and observed that those who ate between 25 and 29 grams of fiber daily had a 15 to 30% decrease in all-cause and heart-related deaths compared to those who ate the least fiber per a February 2019 review. And vitamin E is a fat-soluble vitamin that has antioxidant properties in the body. Researchers actually found that vitamin E supplements are linked to reduce systolic blood pressure. It's beneficial if you have high blood pressure. Cranberries are also high in inflammation-fighting plant compounds. So overall, cranberries are pretty great for you. So pumpkin pie, and I'm talking about this because I know that it's also a staple on most holiday tables. There's also apple and like chocolate pies and a whole bunch of key lime I know is one that's really popular, but pumpkin I feel like is pretty general. And just to like talk about what's in a pumpkin pie, because I know most of us had some. There are 26 grams of sugar, four grams of protein, 30 milligrams of cholesterol, saturated fat, uh, carbs, about 46 grams of carbohydrates, and this is in about 104 grams of pie. There is some potassium, which comes from the pumpkins, there's some calcium, sodium, there are definitely sugars added, especially if it's store-bought, which in moderation is okay, um, but there is a little bit of protein, so we're gonna count that. I love pumpkin pie. <laughs> uh, Last year I was more team apple, I think, but 
This year I might have to go Team Pumpkin. I'm not sure. I'll probably switch again before Christmas. And then for the final thing that everybody has some variation of are the vegetables. All vegetables contain healthful vitamins, minerals, and dietary fiber. Some of them stand out for being even more exceptional. Like spinach, for example. Great source of calcium, vitamins, iron, antioxidants. It's got a lot of vitamin C. It meets an adult's full daily requirement of vitamin K, which we don't produce. Um, our bodies have to get that from food. Vitamin C, folate, magnesium, a whole bunch of stuff. Kale is also really, really great for you. It may benefit people with high cholesterol. Uh, it's a very popular leafy green vegetable. I love kale, and it also provides the human body with several health benefits. Lots of vitamins, A, C, and K. Broccoli, also very good for you. Broccoli, for some reason, a lot of kids don't like it, but it's an incredibly healthy vegetable that belongs to the same family as cabbage, kale, and cauliflower. It also provides you with the daily requirement of vitamin K and twice the daily amount recommended of vitamin C. And according to like animal research, I guess, it's been found that these types of vegetables, broccoli and like cauliflower, may inhibit the development of cancer in several organs, including the bladder, the liver, and the stomach. Also peas. They're high in fiber, providing nine grams per serving. They're high in protein, providing also nine grams per serving, vitamins A, C, and K, and certain B vitamins. They also contain fiber which supports good bacteria in the gut and helps ensure regular bowel movements and a healthy digestive tract. I don't know how many of you out there like beets, but beets contain 442 milligrams of potassium. They're great for improving heart health because they're rich in nitrates. And due to some reports in a 2012 study, it was a pretty small study, I think, um, they found that drinking 500 grams of beet juice significantly lowered blood pressure in healthy people. These vegetables also may benefit people with diabetes because they contain something called alpha-lipoic acid, which might be helpful for people with nerve-related problems or like diabetic neuropathy specifically. And then of course carrots. Carrots are great for you. They give you over four times an adult's daily recommended intake of vitamin A which is really helpful for eyesight and getting enough of this nutrient may help prevent vision loss. We don't know if it's not gonna be an immediate, like you eat two carrots and automatically don't need glasses anymore. Cause if that were the case, I would have done that a long time ago. That would be great, but no. So overall with our vegetables, they're really great for health. They provide all the essential vitamins, minerals, and other nutrients that we need. And research is constantly showing that people who eat at least five servings of vegetables in a day have the lowest risk of many diseases, including cancer and heart disease. So that is gonna conclude my little um, spiel on the nutritional facts of Thanksgiving foods. Our bodies definitely got some surpluses of lots of vitamins actually. And maybe we even had a better night's sleep that night. Thank you, tryptophan. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Essentials 
right here on the BMG Network. <laughs>